0: This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about taking leadership to the next level. Whether you're a seasoned leader or just starting out, I promise to give you practical leadership tips that you can use this week. No matter what your leadership situation is, I can help. Remember, leaders make things happen. My passion is to help you lead more effectively. Welcome to podcast episode number 27, a special Valentine's show on marriage. I'm going to take a diversion from my normal theme of leadership. And uh, actually, it is leadership. Having a great marriage is amazing leadership to uh, to our, all of our children. So I'm so happy to have as my guest today on the show, none other than my lovely wife, Donna Finns. Welcome, Donna.
1: Hey, everyone. Glad to be here.
0: It's so nice to have Donna supporting me in my podcast. And actually, my producer, Greg Smith, suggested we do a Valentine's show because we wrote a book on marriage a number of years ago. What's the name of the book, Donna?
1: Top 10 Ways to Love Your Wife.
0: Okay. Top 10 Ways Do You Love Your Wife. When we wrote this book, uh, we had been married 25 years. Uh, now we've been married 38 years. And uh, we dedicated the book to both sets of our parents, Mark and Anita Bubeck and Alfred and Bridget Finzel, uh, because they both stayed married their whole lives and had great marriages. And the only one surviving right now is dad.
1: That's right. My mom went to be with the Lord last January. And Your parents have been gone a long time.
0: Long time. So uh, Donna and I have always believed uh, Howard Hendricks was one of our mentors years ago, and he always said, the best thing you can do for your children is to love their mother. (laughs) (laughs) And we've practiced that. Uh, Let's start by just telling the listeners how this book was born, because it's a funny story.
1: Well, you know, your listeners know you as the Leadership Answer Man and that was the top 10 mistakes leaders make was the first book that you wrote on leadership. And it was not long after that was published that I had been teaching at a women's uh, retreat in Iowa. That's when we were living in the Chicago area. And I was making my way back on late one Saturday night. And I suddenly felt like I was losing my steering on this lonely dark rainy highway (laughs) and anyway it turned out I had a blowout and had to be towed all the way back to Chicago from northern Illinois and uh, you were out of town long story and you know I mean it was a very traumatic thing I'd never had a blowout so I didn't know what had happened and uh when you got home, whatever day that was, a couple of days later, you walked in the garage and you took one look at the car and you go,
0: where's the hubcap?
1: <laughs> and here I stood, you know, alive and well, no injuries. The car didn't flip, whatever. A woman's perspective is like, okay, you care about the hubcap and not me. So I said, I've got a book for you, the top 10 mistakes husbands make. Don't say things like that.
0: You know, if you've ever bought a hubcap, they're pretty expensive. And uh, I looked at my wife. She was fine. I looked at the car. It was not fine. So I made a real stupid mistake.
1: So anyway, the funny thing is, of course... So Han said, oh, that's a great idea. Here, I'm trying to make this important point. And he's like, oh, that sounds like a great book. And of course, the funny thing is the publisher loved the idea. So what was fondly started as the top 10 mistakes husbands make became the top 10 ways to love your wife, looking at the positive side of how to have a great marriage.
0: Okay, we just checked online on Amazon and the book is still available through used uh, booksellers and there's probably still a few new out there, but it's called The Top 10 Ways to Love Your Wife. And if you're interested in getting it, uh, I guarantee you we won't make a penny off of it, <laughs> but, you're, but it's still out there on Amazon. What we're going to do today is just quickly go through the 10 chapters and we're each going to do five and sort of cover quickly what we have found now in 38 years of marriage to be some of the secrets. To have a not only to stay marriage but to have a great marriage that 's uh, alive and well, uh, both of us felt like one of our early commitments was once the children were raised and gone we'd still have a relationship.
1: That's for sure. So let's jump into chapter one. And this chapter is called What Women Want. And it's it's our top 10 first tip. So in writing the book, we decided we wanted input from others. And we didn't want it to be only our marriage. So we surveyed hundreds of couples around the country. And in doing that, we came up with the number one need of a woman is love. All you need is love. We start off with that song. And so here, are a sampling of answers which came from some husbands one said the greatest single need of my wife is to be loved i guess paul had it right in ephesians 5 from the west coast two words sum up her greatest need affection and attention and here's from a wife in illinois she says it may seem like a little thing to him but i need to be told every day that he loves me i just can't get enough of those three little words the biggest three words in my heart's language And it's absolutely true to a woman, feeling the love and affection um, touch that doesn't necessarily have the the intention of sex at the end necessarily. But just to be affectionate and loving is our number one need as a woman.
0: I think it's interesting in the Bible that... um... Paul said, husbands, love your wives. He never said to wives, wives, love your husbands. I think he even knew that we would have a tougher time expressing our love. So that's chapter one. Chapter two is called Decipher Her Differences, a lifelong study of the feminine nature. Donna and I have three sons and a daughter, and I've told my boys (laughs) their whole lives. I said, "Uh, you will never figure women out. Good luck. Don't even try. Uh, but let me give you some clues to explore the differences. Clue number one, open your eyes. <laughs> Women and men are very, very different. But I want to explore some of the differences that I outline uh, that are that are just small samples to get you thinking. Uh, the first one is called men and their manners. You know, men have some pretty bad manners that they can get away with around other men. But one thing I've learned is uh, my manners need to be different when I'm around my wife or my daughter or other women. Uh, Secondly, those little comments, those little sarcastic cutting remarks that could be meant as a put-down that, you know, I find that men often communicate with each other with these little sarcastic jabs and cuts. But boy, did I learn a long time ago uh, that I do not do that with Donna or my daughter or any woman because they cut to the quick and they really hurt. Uh, feedback one of the toughest questions Donna ever asked me is uh, which of these two outfits should I wear or does this look good you know there's no um, safe answer to those questions except it looks awesome sweetheart I love it you know either one would be just great Uh, another one is constructive criticism. That's a tough one. Uh, sometimes, you know, in a marriage we do have to float uh, criticism toward one another, but it has to be very, very carefully done. It just, you know, timing is everything. Uh, just communication in general. I think it's really important that we learn how to communicate Years ago when I went to Promise Keepers, Gary Smalley used this illustration in the stadium. And it's the greatest illustration I've ever heard of the difference between a man and a woman as it comes to communication and criticism. And he said, all of you guys take off a shoe and at the count of three, drop it. you at 60,000 men in the stadium and we all dropped our shoes and it was an enormous rumble. And uh, then he said, okay, now I want you all to take a hair off your head and at the count of the three, drop the hair. Of course, you couldn't hear a thing. He say, when you criticize your wife, you think you're dropping the hair, but you're really dropping the boots and you're dropping the shoes, and that's how it comes across. So be really careful. A lifelong study, decipher her differences. Okay, chapter three, the title is Speak No Evil, Communication and Conflict Strategies. This kind of builds on what I just mentioned about the, the illustration of dropping a hair versus dropping a boot we just need to understand that our our wives are, you know, it says in the Bible to, to live with your wife is a weaker vessel. But I think that word is better translated delicate. You know, my wife is so strong. And in the book, I talk about how often she is strong when I've been weak. So I don't think uh, women are weak. I think they're delicate. And that's one reason you just have to be kind of careful when you communicate because women and men are very different. Uh, Here's a tip that we got from a creative negotiating wife Quote, if you both have annoying habits, and who doesn't, try offering one of yours for one of his. She says, I'll try to leave the mail in one place so you can find it. If if you'll try not to leave your dirty socks on the floor in the closet. So that's a great creative negotiation tactic. Here's another uh, important tip that we... I've tried to practice through the years. It's not 100%, but this is so important. If you want to guarantee all-out war of words between you and your spouse, try using these two bombshell words as you assassinate the character of the other. You always throw your socks in the closet. You always scatter the mail all over the house, or you never. You never. I'm not even going to fill in the blank there. But Donna and I have a pact: never to use those two expressions. You always, or you never, because it's it's not true. Uh, let me just. Finish this chapter by saying, uh, why tempers flare in a marriage, and we have a couple of lists here i 'll just read the list of the reasons why tempers flare needs are not being met you know it's like the iceberg you know we argue at the top of the iceberg, but the real needs that are not getting met are deep down underneath differing expectations of course, Donna and I've come to believe that every argument. Generally, every conflict comes from a difference of expectations. And I talk a lot in my podcasts and leadership about uh, differences in expectations. Displaced anger. Uh, Sometimes, you know, the the husband can be so stressed out at work, he comes home and shouts at the wife, and the wife shouts at the kids, and the kids kick the dog, and the dog (laughs) chases the cat. Displaced anger. Violation of rights. Uh, personality conflicts, uh, and dramatically different family backgrounds. And let me just say that Donna and I, every one of you listening, if you're married, you come from dramatically different family backgrounds. Who doesn't? And uh, my family was super closed, and we never talked about anything. Donna's family was super open, and they talked about everything. That alone was a huge uh, culture shock for me in learning communication skills. So that's Chapter 3, Speak No Evil.
1: Chapter 4, Find Her Frequency. This is actually my favorite chapter. I feel like it really gets to the heart of what often – can break down in a marriage. I love this quote by Tim Allen, the comedian. Men think vertically. Men want women to get on with their lives so they can go back to watching combat reruns (laughs) or whatever you're into, football. But anyway, I love this because often we find conflict around the fact that a woman doesn't want her husband to fix her problem. She wants him to hear her heart. And it's one of the sections in this chapter says on listening and other rare exotic habits. And I love this, this further quote from Tim Allen, men don't listen, particularly to women, this shouldn't be a big surprise, a woman will talk and talk and talk about some problem, until a man cuts her off and says, here's what I do. So I won't read the rest of that. But the bottom line is, is this news flash that I write twice in this chapter. And it is women don't want to hear your advice. They don't want solutions to their crises. They just want an arm around their shoulder and a soft-spoken, I understand if you do understand, or I hear you and care about how you feel if you don't understand. We want to see that you care about our interests. We want to feel your closeness and love, and to know that you've truly, truly heard us. And this, we go into the love languages, that book by Dr. Harley, Willard Harley, called His Needs, Her Needs. And a man's five most basic needs in a marriage are sexual fulfillment, recreational companionship, attractive spouse, domestic support, admiration. And a woman's five most basic needs in marriage are, number one, affection. Number two, conversation, honesty, and openness is number three, financial support. Number four, and family commitment. And one of our favorite authors that we explored in doing the writing for this book was Dr. Jim Smith, and he'd been married a lot of years when he discovered the the heart of what this chapter is about. And this is what he said, When women talk something out in detail, somewhere along the line, they let go of it. But unless they do this, they keep holding on. And there's a part of that 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 says they get historical. So when you think your wife's just not letting go of something, the truth is she needs to be heard. She needs for you to hear her heart. And we go into every chapter. I wanted to note that at the end of every chapter, we put a hero husband who's doing that right. And so check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it. Okay, chapter five is treat her as an equal partner. You know, as Christians, uh, we know that not everyone listening to Hans's podcast are committed to you know Christian to the Christian faith, but we as Christians often wrestle with the whole idea of submission and what the Bible says about a wife submitting to her husband and We go into that in detail on uh, the passage ephesians five twenty one to twenty five and what we go into in this chapter on treating her as an equal partner is really going into how you learn to operate as a team and um, to mutually submit to one another. And I want to read a, a paragraph from that chapter. We work through situations mutually respecting the input and point of view of the other. As a matter of fact, Hans has come to realize my more feminine point of view and womanly intuition as one of his greatest assets because my very strengths and people skills are his weakest points He deeply values and seeks out my insights on most situations, and in that way, we both wear the pants in our family. So uh, we just love this chapter on uh, working together and, and submitting to one another as in respect and in loving one another. Don't forget that Ephesians, we close this chapter with Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, This was something that actually Dr. Paul Meyer, psychiatrist that was teaching at Dallas Seminary when Hans was a student there, really drilled into us. He said that if you allow anger and festering conflict between you as a couple to stand and you go to sleep day after day, night after night with that in your heart and soul, he says... Anger is meant to be dealt with. If it's not, it will eventually weaken the immune system and illness will result. So that's my last tip on that chapter.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, treaters an equal partner. I tell you, I have learned not only in the home but in my leadership out in the nonprofit world that a woman's perspective is so important. I always worked at having women on my teams, my leadership teams. And with Donna, I've learned women's intuition is huge and it's real. And if she has a strong feeling about something, I better listen to it because <laughs> she's she's always right. <laughs> okay, the next tip is uh, walk a mile in her shoes. Understand the world of your wife. You know, we raised these four children. I had a very, very busy career, and the best way I ever learned what the pressure was like for her is when she would go away for a couple of days and I'd do everything that she normally does. By the end of the school year, she would get so maxed out because I traveled so much Internationally, and I just thank God for the amazing adult children we have today that all love us, and they all love Jesus, and we just couldn't be happier with that. And I have to attribute a lot of that to Donna. So by the spring every year, we decided we'd let her uh, head off to her parents for a few days to a week. Now, for some of you saying, "Well, going to be with my parents is the last way that I'd ever get relaxation," but Donna's parents were so loving, and they were retired, and or they had time, and uh, she would. And they would just love on her, and so I was taking care of everything, (laughs) from from carpooling to homework to uh, all the extracurricular activities to feeding them, and boy, did I learn to walk a mile in her shoes. That's the greatest tip I would give you, husbands out there, if you still have kids at home, is say, honey, why don't you go away with your girlfriends for a couple of days, and I'll take care of everything. Or just start something easy, like I want you one night a week to have a girlfriend night and go out you know, for a couple of weeks and just go hang out with the girls. It'll make her feel a lot better, and it'll help you understand. Here's a few tips uh, that I have on page 116. Ask her, how are you doing today? Has she had any downtime today? Here's another tip. Hey, kids, let's go for a drive, a walk, a bike ride. Let's go to the playground. Let's go to Starbucks. Here's another one. I'll make dinner and do the dishes with the kids. Which days would help you the most? Uh, Here's another one. Uh, Let's go out for dinner alone, just you and me. And the last chapter, Donna's going to talk about um, dating after you say I do, which we've always practiced. I'm not going to steal her thunder on that one, but we found that to be so important to have time just for the two of us. But learn to walk a mile in her shoes. Now, I want to speak especially to those of you who travel a lot, which I did. Um, before you leave, make sure the family's taken care of. Leave your wife a schedule so she knows where you are. Of course, nowadays everything's all electronic, so that's pretty easy. I remember the time when when I first started traveling, where we didn't have cell phones. It was very difficult to call internationally. We'd like I'd be gone for three weeks to Africa, or Asia, wherever, and I'd once a week I'd call her with my calling card, and and uh, that that was tough. It's so much easier now with Skype. And now when I travel internationally, I can call her, you know, once a day, and we can talk. That's so cool. But before you leave, make sure everything's ready. While you're on the road, be sure to stay connected to your family. Leave love notes behind for your family and your wife. Send, of course, regular updates. Uh, Keep the kids uh, informed. If you're going to be gone for a long period of time, you may want to set up to send her some flowers halfway through the trip. Take care of yourself while you're traveling. Uh, maintain your consistency with with God. Avoid situations that will compromise your integrity. Uh, try not to spend too much time alone. It's better to travel with colleagues. And upon reentry, and this is really important, when you get back, don't go straight back to work. You've been gone a long time. Who is the person you most need to connect with when you're back in town? It's not your boss. It's your spouse. Plan some travel recovery time. And work aggressively to debrief your wife on your travels as she's interested. But realize, you know, I can't remember how many times uh, I got home and, and it wasn't, how was your trip, dear? It was like, that toilet stopped up. Will you please go up there and fix it? But eventually we had time to debrief. You got to understand when you come back from a trip and your spouse has been carrying the full load, they need some relief. And so just realize that that's a bigger priority than rushing straight back. work. All right, next chapter.
1: Chapter seven, appreciate her worth. The chapter Hans just shared on was really about the role of the wife and walking a mile in her shoe. This one is about her worth. And we love Proverbs 31, of course, and a lot of women get down from that chapter. Uh, But now that I'm on the older end of that spectrum of life, I can see that as my husband honors me and builds me up for what i do as hans has come alongside me and respected what i do i've uh, taught the bible through the years in different bible studies and i also have a home business a thriving national marketing director business with juice plus and he respects that and he builds me up in my words so i want to read some things that you wrote hans to show value the way that you have shown me. You have you have listened to what's going on in my life, again, back to Chapter 4, by honoring me publicly whenever you have a chance to do so. And that has meant so much. You have always communicated to our kids your respect for me and that to affirm in front of them that I'm worthy of their respect Uh, You also have affirmed me in my decision-making areas. And now that you've been home with HD Leaders and Leadership Answer Man, that's... um whole different (laughs) slant on that where you know when I get the carpet cleaned you just have to say good great Donna (laughs) because that's my area of and so giving me value for the decisions I make and then initiating ways uh, still even at this time in our lives to have vacation away from my job and responsibilities by picking up the load and then Sending signals to me of just how he respects and honors me and the worth of, of who I am. And at the at close of this chapter, we uh, give a Proverbs 31 synopsis by Chuck Swindoll, and I just love that. So I'd really encourage you to look at that when you check out the book.
0: Yeah, it's been uh yeah, the value. I think the you guys out there, if you think you're more important than your wife, you're in big trouble. We are both of equal value, and we both have our role. Uh, something we didn't mention in our book because it happened afterwards, but we've taken two different personality assessments that really helped us in our marriage. One was the uh, Myers-Briggs, and we are ex- polar opposites on all four of the uh, plots on that test. And then we took Strengths Finder recently and compared ourselves on that again we're dramatically different opposites attract but you know we have to all of us have to understand the way we are wired is not the best or the most important i value so much the way donna is wired and whenever she's gone out of town i always tell her you know it's still a house when you're gone but it's not a home i mean you bring the heart into this place Okay, Chapter 8, Provide Spiritual Direction. Offer your family spiritual leadership. This is a tough one for me because, honestly, my wife is stronger spiritually. She always has been. I think it goes back to her heritage. Uh, She has such a godly upbringing. Her father was a pastor. He's a man of God. Uh, He's still living. Uh, Dad, love you. Just a shout-out to you, Mark Bubeck, for the way you instilled in in your daughter just a deep, deep spirituality. I, I didn't have that growing up from my parents. I've always struggled spiritually, and so I recognize that she has huge spiritual power, but still I cannot just um, relinquish the head of the home because of her spirituality. Here's the dangers if you leave all the spiritual up bringing of your children to mom. Kids won't have a strong example of God as their heavenly father. Secondly, dad neglecting his God-given responsibility with many negative results in family choices and stability. Because the Bible does say, and I believe it, that the husband should be the spiritual head of the home. Thirdly, putting too much pressure on mom, which God never intended. And fourth, providing a bad example for sons and daughters who will grow up one day to be uh, parents themselves. It has a trickle-down effect, and we just cannot relinquish our spiritual leadership in the home. So it's a tough one, and uh, here's a couple of tips that I have to improve your leadership in the home. You guys, number one, pray. Ask God to give you help. Number two, listen. Just listen to uh, the needs of your children. Treasure your time with them and and pray for what they tell you. Uh, Put your family first. I've already mentioned that. Your family is so much more important than your job. And I know a lot of you have jobs that have a lot of pressure. I just love watching my kids who are now having their own children. And I'm proud of the way that they are putting uh, top priority on their family and their children uh, live what you believe. Obviously, children know uh, that uh, we they know how we walk. And so if we try to pretend that we're something we're not, they see through it uh, right alone. Seize the moment when you have a time, a teachable moment with your children. Uh, Share your heart. Be vulnerable with them. Try not to be uh, artificial. Let them know your struggles, you know, to a point. You know, it's good for children to do that. And here's uh, my final tip for leadership at the home. Take time alone with each child to focus on him or her. I found that, um, you know, when the whole family's together... Uh, sometimes, you know, (laughs) our kids fight, your kids probably fight. (laughs) And I found some of the most quality time I had with my children growing up. Um, I've told stories of it on other podcasts is when, when I've had one-on-one time with the children, I took them individually, especially on trips where we could really, really focus on one another. I remember one time I took Andrew when he was, um, 12 years old, on a trip through Africa for a month. I had the kind of profession that I could do that and probably a lot of you listening can't, but whenever possible, try to do something very special um, alone with your child. Okay, and then chapter nine, share the load. Home life is not a spectator sport. And I find this is one of the biggest complaints that we hear from women is they just feel that they're going it all alone. And here's uh, what What one woman said as she wrote to us in our survey... If I could change one thing about my husband, I would change his quiet spectatorship to active involvement and inquisitiveness of what's happening in my life and in the life of our children. You know, that is so important that we take time with our with our families. This, uh, this idea of sharing the load probably would not have made our top 10 list except how strongly this issue of men's passivity came through in our survey of women. Uh, we were amazed at how, how many women just cried out and here's four tips about getting more involved and being active and not passive in the home. Number one, change I love you statements to actions of love. Help with the dishes, pray with the kids at night, work with the children to make them do their chores and and their homework and have you know, time of reading with them. Number two, change your laziness and TV watching to help with homework and reading books to the children in the evenings. Number three, change your view that our two separate roles in life don't meet anywhere. You come home each evening with this attitude. I worked all day. I'm tired at night and I'm going to relax. You know, she worked all day as well, and she's tired and she needs your help. Number four, Change quiet spectatorship to active involvement and inquisitiveness about what's happening in the life of my wife and in the life of our children. So that would be some tips about um, being sure and share the load. The final drum roll, Chapter 10.
1: I would say if you had to pick one of all the chapters, this would be our number one, even though it's Chapter 10. And I would say Linda Dello, Jody and Linda were our leaders of our work in communist Eastern Europe back in the day when we lived in Vienna, Austria, and traveled into communist Eastern Europe. And I remember... Mark was only a couple weeks old, and Linda said, you have to keep dating. You have to date. And so the title of this chapter is Give Romance a Chance. And so we learned at the very beginning, as Hans said earlier, that we have to invest in our marriage, in being alone, in making one another our number one priority. By virtue of the reality of kids, no matter if you have one or 10, they are selfish creatures and they demand your attention. And so we made a commitment at the very beginning to have a date night. And we were poor on the salary of, of international workers. We didn't have a lot of money, but we would make the priority of paying a babysitter so we could have a date on a a weekly basis. And here's a quote from a wife in Arizona. One thing that would mean a great deal to me would be if Randy would surprise me every once in a while with a romantic night out, just whisk me away with a carefully thought out plan that would show me he cares about the romance in our relationship. So we have, I would have to say 38 and a half years now we have made dating a priority. We always have a Friday night date here in Colorado, if if we're both in town, we have a, a sacredly protected date night and where we're alone together, out to a restaurant. Sometimes it includes a movie, just focusing on one another. And don't be afraid to leave the kids alone. Get a sitter, get uh, someone you trust. If you don't ha- have family nearby... As Hans said from Howard Hendricks, one of the most amazing teachers in the history of Christianity and founder of wonderful ministries, he would always say that your kids will know uh, they'll be stronger and healthier. And I would say with our kids all being adults now, both of us see in them this value has transferred on down to our kids, and they make their marriages a priority and just go for it. Uh, women make plans, you know, get, uh, do the things that it takes to create uh, alone time with your husband. Don't leave it all to him.
0: Can I ask you a question, Don? about women who are afraid to leave their children with babysitters? or are they just, They're just afraid to leave their children, period. Would you speak to that?
1: Well, I'd, you can't live your life based upon fear. I mean, you have to find people you trust. There's babysitting co-ops. I know uh, our friend Mariel and Blake here in Colorado when they were... They moved to Chicago. Bummer, you guys. They'll be listening to this. But uh, they... We're part of a co-op of different women that the the co-op itself would go into each home and have to approve that home as being one approved for babysitting. I have to say that, goodness, younger teenagers, young, like 12 to 14-year-olds, are are great when our twins were babies what did we do we hired identical twins 16 year olds to babysit our four kids because it wasn't every week at that point in our marriage but we would go away at least twice a month and then we always made a priority of once a year for a long time and then later twice a year going away for one or two nights together and that takes a lot of effort but You can't live your life based on fear. Find trusted people.
0: Right. And your kids can't do without you because you need to have a great marriage. That means so much to your kids. Well, thank you, Donna, for joining me on the on the podcast today.
1: My privilege, and uh, go for it, you guys. Don't give up on your marriage. Be present in it and loving each other unconditionally as Christ loved the church.
0: People ask us, are we going to write the second book, The Top Ten Ways to Love Your Husband, and we decided we don't need to do that. <laughs> it comes so much easier for women. Thank you, Donna.
1: Thanks. Okay, so we hope that you will put into practice these top 10 ways to love your wife and start now. Valentine's Day is a perfect time to commit yourself to dating your mate.
0: I want to finish with the story of what happened this summer. I had the opportunity to perform the wedding for our daughter Cambry and her husband, Max. It was a beautiful wedding outdoors here in Colorado. And I mentioned to Max in the wedding ceremony, the three things that I had asked him to do when he asked for permission to marry my daughter. And I reminded him to me, the three keys for him to be a great husband to my daughter. And let me just finish this show with those three tips. Number one, Always make sure that Christ is the center of your home. Number two, always love your wife, my daughter Cambria, more than you love yourself. I would say that to anybody, not just to the man who married my daughter. That's why the Bible says we must submit to one another in love, in marriage. Uh, if we are selfish, it's the, it's the marriage destructor. We have to learn as Christ loved the church, we need to love our wives more than we love ourselves. And number three as uh, relates back to what Donna said, promise me that you will date my daughter after you get married not just before you get married. And be sure you date her after the children come so one day when they're grown and gone, you will still have an amazing, thriving, healthy relationship. Hey, thanks for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed this special Valentine's edition of the Leadership Answer Man. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. We can always take our leadership to the next level. I hope you keep listening and learning and that you go out there this week and make a difference with your leadership.